We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Nice Trade Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and Brooke Linen. All righty, so we—it's I, I, tough. I need to find a, a new open to the show. I can't say anything that's in the books because nothing is happening in this off season of, of no combine, meh, pro days. Like Dan, what can be in the books for this week? <laughs> Uh, well, we can put the official starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys in the books. We do know that is, in fact, in the books. <laughs> that is in the books, and we'll get to that in a Moderately little bit. excited. <laughs> that is in the books. But before we get into the show, I want to welcome on a guest. Uh, last week, we had Dave Cabin of Rotoviz. Um, we're like, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we're Rotovizing up the podcast here, folks. So we had Dave Cabin last week with, with Dan Al, and we are bringing on one of the best in the biz, one of the best at Rotoviz, Sam Wallace. He, uh, as his uh, you know, uh, Twitter profile suggests, he's a grad school student and a dynasty writer and analyst at Rotoviz. Rotoviz Dynasty, hashtag Dynasty Football. So, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I, I didn't realize I was following up Dave from last week. That's going to be that's gonna be a tough act yeah. to follow. Dave does excellent work. But thank you guys for having me on. I'm really excited uh, to chat football with you. For sure. Yeah, yeah, no. It, we're excited. Uh, Curtis was like Curtis was saying, "Let's get you guys connected. Let's get these minds connected, so we can, you know, get some podcast knowledge together." So I'm excited. A little later in the show, we're going to be talking about, talking about the Rotoviz screener as we continue our tour of the, the Rotoviz apps. But we got some news and notes. Um, we are uh, slowly creeping towards free agency. And um, when we when we record next week, we will be in the. Uh, the tampering window, but this week we are recording post the franchise tag deadline. So much of the news today is that, but before we get into that, we have the Jalen hurts news that came out Monday afternoon. And this is debatable, whether it's even news or not. I think it is relative news, um, but I still think there's a slight chance they're bluffing the Eagles owner, Jeffrey Lurie. He came out and said, 
you're starting Hertz. Hertz is the starter. You're not bringing in competition for the 2021 season. So they're giving him a one-year tryout as it would be. Sam, we can start with you. Do you believe that they're, you know, counting out any possibilities of a quarterback in the draft or a quarterback in free agency? Or do you think this could be a bluff? Honestly, if it was any other team except for the Eagles, I would probably believe them at face value. It's it's a matter of, for me, what do I think they should do and what do I think they will do? I do think that Hurts will be the week one starter. I guess I would be a little bit surprised if they don't bring in some sort of backup competition for him, but I don't believe it's going to be through the draft. I don't think so. I think that team has too many other needs, especially on the offensive side. People have kind of talked about them going quarterback early in the first round. I don't see it happening. And I don't see them really being competitive, making, you know, a deep playoff push this year. So I think it's totally fine to give Hertz, you know, a, a one year trial. That's fine. He has the draft capital. He's obviously super talented, was very productive in college, was the quarterback nine the last four weeks of the season. So I'm not overly concerned about him being the starter. I think it's just a matter of what do the Eagles actually do to bring somebody else in. But I think regardless whether they bring somebody in or not, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be the starter for the better part or all of this season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely an aspect of front office speak or coach speak or owner speak to this. Just like with most news and notes that we get, there's always a little bit, especially when it's coach names so-and-so starter or anything along those lines. So I think it is important that the owner makes that statement. Now, the Eagles are, and, and Sam, you kind of said it, are one of the teams where if if it was someone else, you know, or if Howie said it, Howie said it, or Doug Peterson said it, or whoever said it, I, w- I think it would have more faith in that. Yeah, absolutely. The owner mentioning it is big because he's the owner, but he has a hand in it, but it's not his final decision, at least from what I've seen from the Eagles. It's different. I wonder how many other owners would have weighed in like that. Um, Like you said, normally we hear it from a coach, we hear it from a GM, but it's normally not someone who's that far up the chain of command who comes right out and says, build around this guy, he's what we're going to go with. Because like you said, he has some pull, but um, there's a lot of other factors that have to go into play there. So that I thought that was interesting. And you mentioned that piece of gamesmanship. That does happen, for sure. I mean, teams will you know set up smoke screens in one area, try to drive up the player or the price of another player maybe a perceived price of a draft pick. But yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. It's a weird spot. I, I do think that they they absolutely address quarterback in one fashion or another. Most likely, at least in my eyes, is a, a former beloved Philadelphia Eagle who happens to more than likely be available. And that's probably Nick Foles. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, but there there are also veteran quarterbacks on the market, like a possible Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you want to go on the you know mentor type route. Um, Chase Daniel has been rumored to be on the trade market as the guy to you know groom another young quarterback. <laughs> not, now, if you trade for Chase Daniel, you're trading for Chase Daniel would be a pure backup. That's not competition for Hurts. Um, just overall, in my view of Hurts on in Dynasty right now. I, I said when the Wentz trade happened that he would be the most overvalued asset in Superflex for the next couple months. And I still don't think that's necessarily false, but I think that there the window is growing. That I think it's probably unlikely they, they invest in a quarterback at six, which means that you have until at least like midseason with Hertz to, to like sell him. Because there's gonna be games where he, you know, he puts up like 
200 passing yards, 90 yards rushing, and a couple touchdowns. You know, it's a nice fantasy day. So he's going to have some really good fantasy days. I, from a Hurts perspective, I just doubt his long-term ability in becoming in his passing ability, which will then translate to whether he's an Eagles quarterback long-term. But we are seeing, you know, pretty much the top six, top seven dynasty quarterbacks these days have that rushing ability. So, you know, he at least has that component to it. Yeah, Nathan, quick question for you out of curiosity. Um, I guess it's kind of two part. What what would his price have to have be to to you see him as being overvalued? Um, I right now we we're, we're looking at a lot of stuff, but I'd say he's currently going in the mid to late fourth of of the startup range, and and the the guys going next to him are Baker and Tua, and I'm not even necessarily saying I would invest in Baker or Tua at that price. I would invest in Baker personally. I would, um, but. In terms of the QBs, I'm always like, okay, I'm, I want my QB in that first, you know, 18 to 24 picks. And if not, I'm going to wait a while. Um, yep. So I'm not looking to invest in that middle tier of quarterbacks of Baker, Tua, and um, and Hurts. But I'll also, out of all these guys, out of the three guys I just mentioned, Baker, Tua, Hurts, Hurts by far has the lowest ceiling, or the lowest floor. He has a, probably the highest ceiling because of rushing upside, but also the lowest floor because he has the least job security. Yeah, that's fair. Follow-up question to that: Would you prefer Would you prefer Hertz to Trey Lance or Zach Wilson? Because um, that's about that's about the yeah, break yeah. for me, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If If I'm assuming that Zach Wilson is a Jet at two, I'll probably prefer Zach Wilson. It depends on where Trey Lance falls, but I'm assuming that I'd probably just roll. I'll I'd probably roll Hertz unless Lance ends up being like top sixteen overall. Sure. Yeah, which I'd, is definitely a possibility. I would go Hertz over both. Um, I'm not as concerned about the perception of you know his his inability as a passer. We we understand the low completion percentage, but we also know that he was passing down the field at a pretty substantial rate. We know his offensive weapons were below subpar, and just that that rushing floor. I think he has one of the highest ceilings, obviously, because he can rip off 120 yards rushing and two touchdowns on any given game. We saw what he was able to do in limited action last year, and. I guess I'm not as worried about his job security. Second round pick, yeah, um, that that's fine. But w- once the Wentz deal went down, I was I, I'm probably a little bit more bullish on him. But I think he's a player I'm willing to you know shoot high on and be wrong. That's fine. So like that fourth round draft capital, if I go you know running back, wide receiver, tight end in the first three rounds of a super flex startup, and I end up with Hertz as my my QB one, and I can maybe swing back and grab, you know, a rookie in the next round or something like that. I'm probably okay with that, but I don't mind being aggressive with him because we know he's got the starting job. We know where he's at. And I think the team as a whole will be much better next year. That's fair. Yeah. I, I think as long as they upgrade the receiving weapons a little bit, hopefully Jalen Ragger takes a step forward. We Jamar see what, if, if they don't go quarterback, yeah. Jamar Chase is yeah. I, I mean, if chase, if chase is there at six, that offense instantly becomes mm-hmm. uh, I mean, one of the tops in the leagues. When you, when you do consider Hertz upside as a running, as a running quarterback, and then you still have Miles Sanders, you hope Ragger takes that step, still have Goddard. We'll see what happens with Ertz. That offense becomes big time really quick. All right, now let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys. They have re-signed their quarterback long-term, Dak Prescott. And obviously there's some big shakeup with the va- – shakeup or maybe the lack thereof with the values of Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, and to a certain extent, uh, Michael Gallup. I-, I will say that the person that I think benefits the most from this signing is Dak himself. 
Um, you know, being able to stay with, with, with Amari and Lamb is definitely a positive. And, you know, they built that offense around him, and now it's there. And, you know, he got hurt, which kind of impeded his ability to, to benefit from it. So hopefully in the coming year, he'll be able to benefit from it. I think there's a real chance he's potentially our QB2 uh, behind Mahomes, if things go as planned and he stays healthy, we saw what could be at the beginning of last year in those first few weeks. Yeah, the team wasn't winning. The defense wasn't great. But that offense, the firepower, they were essentially unstoppable on offense. And and Dak really just kind of showed why he's worth the $160 million. And I, I do think he's still to this day pretty undervalued. I think the signing now will get him back to about where he should be. But I do think there's room for growth from a valuation standpoint, because if he did move on, you're instantly taking a drop off in talent. You're not going somewhere that has Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup as pass catchers or Ezekiel Elliott as a running back. You're not finding that. It just doesn't exist elsewhere in the league in a reasonable spot that he could have landed. So I think it's a nice boost for Dak, obviously. I think it is a small boost for everyone, but I think all of those wide receivers are good enough where they're probably going to hold their own almost regardless of who's under center. We saw them all do relatively fine <laughs> with Andy Dalton, uh, and he's no scrub by any means, but it's still Andy Dalton, and, and it's a long shot to get to Dak, even though a, a lot of Twitter wanted to tell us that going from Dak to Andy Dalton really wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. <laughs> I, I think you bring up a great point there, Dan, about how a lot of those receivers, especially Amari Cooper, he played exceptionally well down the stretch, even without Dak. You know, he really didn't see a big drop off at all. He still finished as like a solid wide receiver too. had some nice games, had some solid target volume, but Dak really just unlocks the ceiling for that offense as a whole. Like you said, we saw that like MVP type performance for the first handful of weeks. And even just looking at, like the Cowboys offense as a whole, you know, we talk about, well, the, the drop off to Dalton Woodley wasn't that big of a deal. Like, well, it was. I mean, the Cowboys went from averaging almost 400 passing yards a game down to 230. They went from averaging, you know, 32 points a game down to 21. I mean, so any metric you want to look at from an offensive perspective, when Dak was under center, it was just better across the board. And I, you bring up a good point, too, about for Dak himself, he's in a great situation. Good offensive coordinator, you know. A head coach who has had success in the past, especially with the quarterback position um, up in Green Bay for a while. But where where else would he find, you know, three very, very good wide receivers, an elite running back, you know, adequate production at tight end. And yeah, he's in a good spot. I think he's in a good division. And if you ever had an opportunity to buy the dip on Dak this last offseason, especially in Superflex League, um, you probably got him relatively cheap. And even if you paid up for him, it was probably a steal right now. Yeah, for sure. And even with hopefully for Cowboys fans, at least the defense isn't going to be as bad as last year because defense last year was one of the worst we've ever seen, <laughs> Possible, but, but it's not going to improve that much. So like, it's still going to be a team that's, that's playing from behind our team that, that's going to have to, you know, pass a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's not even a bad thing. Like if you have Mari Cooper and CD lamb, you should want to be passed a lot, no matter what the score is. But yeah, I, I think the arrow, arrow is pointing up for all these guys. So we talk a lot, Dak, a lot about the wide receivers. Uh, we kind of slightly mentioned Ezekiel Elliott, but Sam, I, I think you can kind of break the tie between Nathan and I on the Zeke bit. I know Nathan's 
out. Uh, I'm still somewhat in, especially at his current price tag. Do you think we can see even a glimpse of what Zeke has been uh, in the dynasty format? Or do you think he's kind of on his way out? Oh, I, I'm absolutely in on Zeke, 100% at this point. I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of reason to be out on him. I guess you want to play the age, that's fine. I think he's still only 25 years old. He's been extremely durable um, his entire career up to this point. Um, and even just looking, even before the season, from 2016 to 2019, so over a four-year stretch, he averaged over 21 points per game PPR. He really added that pass-catching element to his game after his first few years in football. During that four-year stretch, he's a running back one sixty-four percent of the time, and he only finished outside of the top 24, so instances where he probably really, really hurt you on a given week five times over the course, or four times over a four-year stretch. I mean, so he, it's like 9% of his games were outside of the top 24, so he was a, a weekly starter, set it, forget it. That offense is going to be good enough to support a lot of different wide receivers, you know, the running backs. You can play the argument of there's a lot of mouths to feed, that's fine. But at the running back position, he gets the volume. He does. I'm still kind of holding out for Tony Pollard as someone who I believe can play really well. And he's shown he can play well when he gets that chance. But they're fine running through Zeke. That's totally fine. And even this past year, in the first five games with Dak, Zeke was over 23 points a game, added some good pass catching, had over six and a half targets a game. And even when Dak was out, he still had four targets a game. He's involved. And again, the biggest thing for me is health and volume on a good offense and he's shown it in the past, he's not old. So I have zero problem being you know, all in on Zeke again for this year and probably next year. The contract says the Cowboys are in on him, and I may not like how they paid him um, for the position, but yeah, I personally, no concerns there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, now let's run through some franchise tags before we get to the Rotoviz screener. But before we do that, let's hear from our friends, Rotoviz. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. And now let's get into bed with Brooklyn and Sheets. Hey, Rotoviz radio listeners, this is Curtis Patrick 
And two of my favorite simple pleasures in life are good whiskey and sleeping on really nice bedding. Where do I get mine? Brooklinen. Most of us are gonna spend 30 to 35% of our adult lives in bed. It's just not the place to cut corners. Well, my people Rich and Vicky over at Brooklinen, they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and your tastes. They're so confident you're gonna love their products. They even offer a 365 day money back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear. I've got the graphite window pane collection and my wife absolutely loves it. All their stuff looks great. You can order anything and it's gonna make you and everyone else in your house happy. Having a clean, fresh bedroom set, it's just one simple thing you can do to start and end your day like a champ. Go to brooklinen.com and use our promo code ROTOVIZ. You're gonna get 25 bucks off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code ROTOVIZ for $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. brooklinen.com, promo code ROTOVIZ, and check it out. All right, the first franchise tag is Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. Uh, I will say this kind of has similar vibes to the Jarvis Landry franchise tag in Miami a couple years ago, where I wouldn't be surprised if they use this franchise tag just to get some draft capital in a trade before they are unable to reach a long-term deal. I'm not saying that's a guarantee, but I think that that's certainly more likely than with the other franchise tag in Godwin. Dan, do you agree that's a possibility, or do you think this is just the Bears saying, we have one good player, we're going to keep him? I think both are honestly equally as likely. They are strapped for talent. You know, David Montgomery is is a fine running back. I I like Tariq Cohen as kind of that uh, electric secondary option who can catch passes. Darnell Mooney came on a bit last year, started to show some things that, you know, maybe he could be an option. Cole Komet may become a tight end at some point, but we don't have any high end players in an offense that desperately needs them considering they have high end and nothing on the offensive side of the football. So I think Chicago is trying to cover their own ass by at least keeping them around in the short term. If that means they're moving him, I, I think it's probably fine. You know, like you mentioned the Jarvis Landry bit, I think that can work out for them, but if they can figure out quarterback and then use this franchise tag to bridge A-Rob from the, again, just extension of bad quarterbacks he's been dealt in the history of football, the worst ones you could possibly have to start a career, go even going back to college. And if they can get themselves into an actual quarterback, hey, you got one year on the tag, we'll get you back after this, or we'll, we'll figure something out. But get him a real quarterback in the meantime, and then re-sign him. He's still in his prime. He's got plenty left in the tank. We know he can still produce. He's been doing it with the worst quarterbacks in the league since he got in the league. So I think it's equally as likely that they use this just to be able to move him and get something in return as it is to try to actually get something done for long term. Yeah, I'm with you there, Dan, for sure. I I think the Bears probably should move on from him from a franchise standpoint in terms of rebuilding a little bit more. 
But as you mentioned, he's still in his prime. He's coming off back-to-back seasons of over 150 targets, 1,100 yards, and at least six touchdowns. So he's still an elite or top-end fantasy asset anyways. And if he went somewhere else, he might not see that same target volume. He might not see 150 targets if he goes somewhere else and isn't the only guy there. But I'm still not too worried about it from a fantasy production standpoint uh, heading into this year because they're going to feed him a ton because who else are they going to throw to? Now, as someone who was pretty excited about Darnell Mooney, maybe taking a step forward, he quietly had like 98 targets as a rookie, which I think a lot of people didn't really recognize in in, in a season that was overshadowed by Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, you know, Jerry Judy having the target volume and a lot of those other types of players, Claypool, quietly having almost 100 targets as a rookie on a subpar offense. That's exciting. Um, and Mooney is somebody who's quick, has decent draft capital and had some good college production metrics. But anyways, for Robinson, yeah, I think he's still a good player. Age is not an issue for me at all. Coming off of that ACL from three years ago already, he's shown to be durable. Target volume is awesome. Yeah. I, I, like I said, the quarterback situation is, is difficult. I, I feel for him. I would love to see him get a chance to play with at least one average above average quarterback at some point <laughs> in his career. I don't know if it's going to happen, but He's still fine for fantasy. Yeah, I I, I'm, I agree. I, I think that it's one of those things. That his his floor is high enough that it doesn't really matter who his quarterback is, but his ceiling would be so much higher with any semblance of a competent quarterback. Or a, I had someone on Twitter bring up today, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, imagine Allen Robinson in a Ryan Fitzpatrick offense where there's just no concern for interceptions, no <laughs> no hesitation. And so James Winston is what you're telling me. Just oh, yellow ball. Oh, it, it, well, sure. <laughs> I, I've been trying to will James Winston to Chicago or Pittsburgh for the last you know year and a half. Um, <laughs> you bring but, up a good point, though, Nathan, about the floor ceiling. I'm glad you mentioned that because his floor is super safe because of the target volume. But only having seven and six touchdowns, respectively, the last two seasons, I think, really caps his ceiling. Because the offense isn't going to be good enough to really punch it in that often. And as Dan mentioned, decent run game with Montgomery. Cohen's going to be coming back. Does that siphon off some targets from... Um, from Robinson, I don't think so. I think that takes them away from the sudden influx of pass catching that Montgomery had this last year. But he's never going to be, you know, a 10-12 touchdown player in that offense. No, definitely not. All right, let's move on to the other guy who got the franchise tag before we get into the Rotoviz screener, and that is Chris Godwin. Um, they, of course, they're, they have their big three three free agents in Tampa. They have Chris Godwin, Sha- uh, Shaquille Barrett. And uh, and Lamonte David, they re-signed Lamonte David to a two-year deal, gave Goblin the franchise tag, so Barrett is a bit unknown right now. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't love this. Um, I was somewhat hoping for Godwin to you know go to an offense where he would have a quarterback who takes a little bit more risks or you know more aggressive or isn't attached to Mike Evans. So. Chris Cobb, at the end of the day, he's fine. I think that he is a, a low-end dynasty wide receiver one, high-end dynasty wide receiver two. But his ceiling is very much capped in that Buccaneers offense with the emergence of Tyler Johnson, with Mike Evans still being one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. So similar to Robinson, I think it's a, a high-floor, low-ceiling play. And you, you kind of have to see an injury for him to you know return to what we thought was like you know a possible top six, top seven wide receiver. Yeah, I'm with you. I my, my shameless plug is I was really excited about Tyler Johnson maybe taking a big step forward this year in an article that I just did on him, which we'll talk about a little bit here when we uh, dive into the road of his screener. Yeah, Godwin is great. Obviously, he was kind of a fringe top top six dynasty wide receiver for a lot of people after his stellar year a few years ago. 
but Brady just loved Evans near the goal line and that really just capped his ceiling. So whenever they got within like the 10 yard line, it was back corner route shoulder, you know, over the shoulder throw to Evans who just went up and got it. Evans or, 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 or Gronk. Gronk was there too. Or, or Gronk. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Evans or Godwin, I'm sorry, was a great between the twenties. Uh, again, Nathan, you said it perfectly. The floor is there. He's going to be solid. Even just looking at his quick stats from last year in his 12 active games, he hit at least 9.8 fantasy points in all but two of them. I mean, so he was double-digit points, almost as a lock, just in that nice PPR floor, but only had two weeks where he finished as a wide receiver one on the week, and that was week seven and week 17. So week 17, fantasy owners probably didn't care at that point, so he only had one other game where he was a top-12 guy, which is probably a bit disappointing for, for where he was valued coming out of that 2019 season where he just erupted. Yeah, the having all of the options that the Bucks have uh, I think it just is automatically going to lead to some inconsistencies, uh, at least from just the fantasy output. You're going to see guys kind of have disappearing act weeks, and then you're going to see them have you know weak winning weeks. So I, I like Godwin. I, I do think he's quite good. I, I much prefer him to Evans, but Evans has the contract. Godwin has the tag now. I think this is probably going to be a let's try to go back to back with Brady and then go full reset. I don't know that I see a Godwin re-sign long-term. I think this is pad Brady as best you can. Let's get one more and send him on the way. Yeah, from a football standpoint, I think that makes perfect sense for the Bucs. Like, why would you not want to keep all of those playmakers around Brady, who, albeit is an aging superstar, but like you said, pad him with as much talent as you can, let him just work his way down the field, those 12, 15 play drives, get Godwin over the middle, let him work in space. Yeah, it works for football. It's just a little bit frustrating from a fantasy perspective when those things don't always match up. So let's wrap up with Tyler Johnson. Uh, Sam talked about him a little bit, Dan. Is this just a waiting game now with Johnson, or do you think he has some wide receiver three upside? I guess, and how much does that depend on what happens with Antonio Brown? I think Tyler Johnson's good enough where he can still emerge with both of these guys here. Uh, I think he's got the talent to to be a difference maker week to week, even with two top 20 wide receivers uh, alongside him. We saw Antonio Brown get some work, uh, again, inconsistently, but he was still there. He was doing it. And I think Tyler Johnson can be a really nice wide receiver, too, in an NFL offense. He's got plenty of upside. We saw him thrive in college. We saw him get a uh, what we kind of thought would be an okay landing spot aside from being stuck behind Evans and Godwin. But I do think it's really nice that it maybe happened in the short term while he continues to grow and, and learn the NFL a little bit better. We can still get him for super cheap now that Godwin's in the way still. So 2022, look out, because that is going to be the Tyler Johnson year. I do, however, still think he... He takes a little bit of a step this year, and we see a, a nice sign of things to come. Yeah, I think he can only really go up. He only recorded points in like seven games this last year. We actually showed up in the box score. And my only bummer well, he, part was he, he was injured to start the year. True, true. Yeah, and my, my only bummer part for Johnson was he was 11th in targets on his own team. So that, <laughs> that's obviously not good. And I think a lot of it is going to be tied to Antonio Brown. Um, being able to let him kind of work over the middle of the field. We, we saw the flashes a lot. No, I shouldn't say a lot, but a no, on a number of occasions from Johnson. We know how productive he was in college. 
The big thing for him was always, should he have declared after his junior year? The answer is probably yeah, and he didn't, and he decided to go back and get his degree, which is awesome. Like, that's not taking that and away. he wouldn't have a ring had he done that. So don't you <laughs> dare disparage Tyler no, Johnson. Super, that is Super Bowl champion Tyler Johnson, exactly. Um, yeah, he's. I think he's in a great spot, and he's a good, like Dan had said, a speculative guy to really peg into the future. If you're in a dynasty rebuild and you're, like, totally stripping your team down and someone you want to get for pretty much next to nothing probably johnson's a great guy to stash i think for a few years from now all right don't, now don't before you move on don't forget antonio brown averaged like eight targets a game for his eight games so mm-hmm. there is upside in this wide receiver three spot yeah absolutely all right now let's get into some roto viz screener time I uh, DM'd Sam and said, all right, we're going to dive into a Rotoviz app. Which one would you want to dive deep and give a little bit of an intro course into? And he, he said, the Rotoviz screener. So, uh, Sam, we'll, we'll start off from a beginning standpoint, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, let's pretend I've never used the Rotoviz app ever. Uh, what is the Rotoviz screener, and how do you use it? Yeah, when, when you had let me know which tools you had already gone over, I was like, oh man, those are some some nice ones I would have liked to chat about. So I'm I'm really being aggressive here and biting off probably more than I can chew. So uh, <laughs> apologies to the listeners because I'll preface it, and this is this is laced with a little bit of bias for sure because I write for Rotoviz, but this is one of the single most powerful tools that I've ever come across, just in terms of how much data you can grab and capture in an instant and then apply it to just a wide population range. Essentially, and there's a lot on the dashboard that I'm looking at right now, you want to measure any position, quarterback, tight end, running back, wide receiver, any offensive skill position player, going back to 2000. You can break them down by age, how many years they've been in the NFL, their weight, their draft capital, how long they've been in the league, and then break down targets, receptions, yards, you know, touchdowns, how efficient were they any number of metrics you want and then kind of compare them across time to similar players. And that's really how I've been using it lately. A series that I'm working on in conjunction with a lot of other road of his writers is um, kind of a rookie review or a rookie comparison series, looking at a lot of rookies that we do every year and seeing how did they do historically compared to guys in the past over the last 20 years, guys who have performed similarly in their rookie year. And then can we use that to project forward a little bit? So I've taken a look at two wide receivers up to this point, both Tyler Johnson and T. Higgins, and looked at, all right, based on how they did in their rookie year, relative to similar players with similar draft capital, similar weight, similar production, can we kind of get a glimpse into the future? So it's really fun to group guys across different leagues. Okay, so what are you looking for a, a specific stat? Are you looking for a specific Thing, like, what are you looking for when you're trying to find a potential breakout or maybe a potential bust? Like, what what are you what are you typing in to try and find that? Like you talked about with Howard Johnson, what are you just using? Okay, this guy had a you know early breakout. Let's compare him to this player that I'm looking at. How, how exactly do you do that? Sure. Yeah, and I'll start with Tyler Johnson. We just kind of uh, dovetailed off of his conversation in Tampa Bay. So the piece I did on Tyler Johnson, I looked at these following metrics from his rookie year. So targets and receptions and yards, so just basic counting stats. His efficiency, so his uh, receiving points over expectation, which is a good Blair Andrews uh, efficient metric there. Um, His PPR per game. So relatively consistent stats, but then I also plugged in his age, his weight, and his draft capital. So wanting to pull a few more things that are a little bit less or more, more tangible and more concrete, not necessarily based on his production. 
So for his rookie year, you know, Johnson averaged 1.8 targets a game, 1.2 receptions, like 17 yards, relatively minimal. Obviously, he started the year injured, didn't see a whole lot of work. But, you know, age 22 season, a little over 200 pounds, draft capital of 161 overall pick. The road of his screener brought me his comparable players of Brian Edwards, fellow rookie, uh, Pierre Garçon, Steve Johnson, and Taewon Taylor. So what I did then is I looked at that grouping of players. Well, obviously not Edwards because he hasn't played as a sophomore yet, but specifically Garcon, Steve Johnson, and Taewon Taylor went, okay, how did they do as, a, as sophomores then? What, what sort of production or growth was there? Um, so it's a nice way to kind of look at a, a quick capture piece looking into the future one year, but sometimes that first to second year jump isn't as big as you would like it to see. Like Pierre Garcon only, I shouldn't say only, he averaged a little over 10 points a game um, his, his sophomore year. Steve Johnson didn't really do well at all. Taewon Taylor took a little bit of a step forward. But the piece that I really like then is once I have those players kind of in my search queue, then I go back and look at their career stats and go, okay, what's kind of the overarching, if I were to take Tyler Johnson's single rookie season, that's all we have, and really extrapolate it, which is a little bit dangerous for sure because I'm taking like the seven or eight games that he actually appeared in this year and stretch it out, comparing him to, you know, Steve Johnson, he strung together three consecutive thousand yard seasons from 2010 to 2012. Looking at Pierre Garcon was like the PPR monster for a while. He had uh, at least 90 targets and 700 receiving yards in seven of 11 seasons. So kind of looking at, is that a, a role that I can maybe see Tyler Johnson expanding into? We just talked about how Antonio Brown had like eight targets a game in the games that he played in. There's value there for sure. Could um, Tyler Johnson kind of slide naturally right into that AB role with a new quarterback, maybe in a few years after Brady. Absolutely. So it's fun, I think, to really project to see what insights are there and should we be able to write off uh, a down rookie year so soon? Definitely not. But seeing some hope for the future then and identifying guys you can maybe buy for less than market value. I'm sorry, that was quite a bit. <laughs> no, no, you're good. That's perfect. You got anything, Dan? No, I, I'm. I'm in class right now. I'm I'm learning <laughs> I'm I'm learning the good stuff along with the listeners. It, it, it's right, really fun good. to it's fun to attach names to these and it, you want to try to avoid just the well this is going to be the next this guy's going to be the next X or the next Y whatever it is. You never want to draw exact name comparisons because every player is different, every offense is different. The NFL is different now than it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So sometimes when guys pop up in the queue or in the, in the search that were, you know, from 15 years ago as a similar rookie comp, is it totally fair to draw comparisons? Probably not exactly. And you can limit things and, you know, only look at the last 10 years, the last five years. But I think what I really like about this tool overall is you can really do whatever you want with it. I mean, if you want to look at specific weeks of the year, you want to look at red zone stats. How far were you from your own goal line? You can kind of narrow it down by that and say, yeah, Tom Brady and, and Mike Evans had a great connection down in the red zone. That's where a lot of Evans touchdowns came in. You want to look at just how productive Godwin was maybe between the twenties and just say, well, everything up to the red zone, how was he until they got close in and really see maybe how teams utilize players in different areas of the field. You can look at, um, down in distance. You can break it down by, um, Yards gained, scoring margin, how well did teams play in certain situations? How well did players play maybe in garbage time when they were down by like 14 or more points? Or how did they do in neutral game scripts, things like that? So there's a lot of really fun things. You can compare multi-years, which I actually just started doing with quarterbacks a little bit. Like how how did the last two years of Ryan Tannehill compare to his like first two years with Miami or something like that? So there's just a lot of really fun 
long-term analytical pieces to kind of capture. Yeah, the thing I like about this tool is that there, I feel like a lot of like the criticisms, I, mean, I know we're mostly past the like, oh, like stats are for loser. Like we're past that point of the, <laughs> of the thing. But I do think that one of the, you know, things that, people who do tape or who watch tape try and say like, Oh, like you don't know the situation. You didn't see what was happening. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. But with the Rotovis screener, you can see what was happening without watching tape. You can see what was happening through, okay, this is where they were at the, out in the field when they had these amount of statistics. So like basically you can watch tape by using the Rotovis screener. Cause it's, it's going to give you all those details that quote unquote, the tape would. Yeah, you can break it down by a quarter of the game, like first quarter, second quarter. So if you want to get super specific, like how how effective was, you know, the Tom Brady, Mike Evans connection in the second quarter in the red zone when the down distance was X and the scoring margin was Y, like you can get as specific as you want to really narrow down exactly what you're looking for. And as, as I said at the top of this segment, biting off a little more than I can chew here because I learned something new with this tool all the time. Uh, I mean, so if, you know, Curtis, Dave, Blair, anybody li- listens back to this, they're like, man, Sam left out so many, in, you know, so many, <laughs> so many pieces There's of information here that he should have. Um, yeah, it, it's fun. I, one thing I like to do too, especially when comparing rookies, is narrowing it down by draft draft class, like draft pick, narrowing it down to the top like 32 players, the top 64. Sometimes I'll just use like top 100 as just an arbitrary cutoff that doesn't isn't necessarily predictive, but it allows me to kind of paint paint a picture of a guy if I want to. And one of the things it's I'm finding it fun, but also a little bit kind of dangerous now is I'm finding ways to use this to to fit my narrative, which can be fun. If yes, I'm really that, wanting that, to that, is, that is something that you could do with all Rotovis tools. Like, OK, I like Tua. How can I find a way to. Uh, oh, I will find like I will find more. stats to put on a chart that make him look brilliant this last season. Like, you know, quarter, quarterback wins. I mean, wasn't Tua like undefeated for his first like four or five games or something like that? Like we, we all know wins are a quarterback stat. So that's what we want to hang our hat on. Right. But. Yeah, it's it's fun because I'll find things. I'm like, man, if I wanted to be that specific, it totally changes how I feel about this type of player, which is fun. But as you guys know, when we start getting a lot more information and a lot more data, how can we peel back the layers and try to make it as objective as we can um, that captures the whole thing and not just siphoning off one stat and using that to to make a decision? That last sentence is so important for anyone that's going to be using any of these tools. And what's nice, I, I think, with, I mean, essentially all of the Rotoviz tools, but the screener specifically is with a lot of different tools across any platforms. I'm not going to call anybody out because everyone does things a little bit differently. Everybody has their own stuff. So many things have so much fluff built into what they're putting out. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much unnecessary information. All of this information is necessary if that's what you're looking for. The other stuff is just, it, who cares? Yep. This, all of it matters if you're looking for and, that information. And also you can choose which of the information you use. So like exactly. if, you, you think, if you think a certain piece doesn't matter, you can like, okay, well, like expand all or, you know, that type of thing. But um, let's wrap up this combo because I know Dan has kids to put to bed shortly. <laughs> um, so Sam, let's, we've talked a lot about Tyler Johnson in the last 15, 16 minutes. Sure. Other than Tyler Johnson, is there a guy that you're hanging your head on, guy you're saying, I need to go get that guy in Dynasty before the draft. I need to get the guy in Dynasty before August. Like, Who's the guy that you're actively saying, I need to get that guy right now? Well, we touched on Darnell Mooney a little bit before. Uh, he's still somebody that I'm interested in, whether you know, A-Rob stays around beyond this year or not. And 
he was my buy all the way back in like December, January, even earlier than that. But he's like a common buy now in Dynasty, so he's probably not cheap. But it was Cortland Sutton. He was a guy that I was really interested in going to get a ton really as soon as he got hurt last year. The, the, in, the knee injuries now, ACL tears, don't scare me as much as probably they used to, seeing how we've had a number of instances of Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, guys that have come back post-ACL tear and still have just dominated in the NFL. I'm no doctor. I'd like to think that medical technology, rehab, the, the access to things that these guys have is you know second to none. They're obviously world-class athletes and take their, take their injuries in the rehab very seriously. So I'm not worried about it. Now, I, I would like to have seen maybe somebody like Matt Stafford end up in Denver. I would have liked to maybe see somebody else end up in Denver. I'm not totally sold on Drew Locke yet. But the little bit of a connection that Sutton had with Locke was really only like the last five games a couple of years ago when Locke really started. I think it was the last five games of the 2019 season. He played well, but you could really tell, I think, Denver's offense as a whole was missing that alpha-type wide receiver. Judy just wasn't quite cut out for it, got the volume, um, probably had some of his own kinks to work out as a rookie. His connection with Locke really wasn't great. The drops were an issue. But yeah, Sutton for me, but he's probably a little bit too household of a name right now to be anything serious. Gabriel Davis is another one, but again, a guy who's probably gaining some offseason hype. Don't know if John Brown sticks around. Stephon Diggs is obviously elite, and I, I think Allen's going to continue to grow as a passer. He's still a rushing quarterback, but that offense kind of overnight, it seems like, over the last year, year and a half, has become really, really exciting for fantasy football. So those are a couple of younger wide receivers for sure. How about you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I like all, all of those. Um, <laughs> put me on the spot with my own question here. But yeah, Tyler Johnson, uh, if you've ever heard of him, he's pretty good. But seriously, or uh, one deep sleep before we head out, uh, Demir Bird. Um, it's a guy that Dan and I have been talking about a little bit. That okay. the, pa- the Patriots wide receiver core is a bit you know, wide open with Nikhil Harry being bad. Um, RIP <laughs> to that. It's but true. Um, I think D- Demir Bird is a nice uh, free stash going. Um, Dan, do you, do you have a quick, uh, you know, <laughs> nice stash before we leave? I have two. Uh, Cortland Sutton would have been one of them. I think he and Judy. He's, he's a little more expensive than Demir yeah, Bird. <laughs> I, I, I think I think Sutton and Judy are both uh, Sutton and Judy are both decent buys in the short term. But um, the two I'm kind of interested in adding for relatively nothing, relatively close to nothing, are uh, Van. <clears throat> excuse me, Van Jefferson. Um, I think Matthew Stafford adds a little more relevance to the LA Rams. We kind of, we might get some more volume like we did when Jared Goff was perceived as good. Uh, and they had Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods and Cooper cup. We saw all three of those guys put up pretty, pretty nice numbers. Uh, I think Van Jefferson belongs. I think he's a, a pretty darn good player and we'll see, uh, what takes place with Woods and cup in the near future. But I, I think that's a, a relatively cheap, and, uh, you know, somewhat h- decently high ceiling ad that you could have. And another one is Brian Edwards. I think Brian Edwards is the best wide receiver in his wide receiver room. And it's not close. I don't think Henry Ruggs is good. He is very fast. He's got hands like feet and he has no idea how to run a route. So with that being said, go buy Brian Edwards. All righty. That should wrap us up for the scene. Before we head out, uh, Sam, anything to plug for us other than obviously your great articles with us? No, uh, not really at all. Yeah, come follow me over on Twitter at swallace underscore ff. And as you guys mentioned, I write for Rotovis, and that's where you can find all of my written work. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. For sure, and we'll have you on sometime soon too. Constantly, I actually, I'm just gonna, I'm, we're just gonna invite you back every week because <laughs> I mean, you can fill a whole show by yourself. We can just sit here. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all 
We'll talk to you next time, and we'll see you guys next week. Kadoosh! You like that one? You like that one? That was pretty good. (laughs) That's perfect. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.